Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. This week, I'm very excited to be joined by musician James McVeigh. For those who don't know, James is in a band called The Vamps. He came on the programme to discuss body image and how his relationship with his body has affected his relationship with his long-term girlfriend, Kirsty. It was really interesting to talk to James, least of all because this is a subject I feel like men seldom speak about publicly. I should add that we do touch on some dark subjects in this episode, such as eating disorders, so please do bear that in mind before you listen today. Also, keep an ear out at the end of the episode for some resources and organisations that can offer support to people experiencing some of the issues we discuss. Enjoy the show. Hi, James. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Not too bad. Dodging the rain today, but uh, yeah. I'm all right, thanks. It's <laughs> disgusting weather today. It's like, re- I mean, it's so boring and British to talk about the weather, but honestly, today it's vile. I mean, there's a proper storm, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Our, um, our dog is, um, is terrified of, of the rain and wind, so today's like a combo. So, so we don't have a garden, so we have to walk her to go to the toilet, and we have to carry her around the block, put her down under like a bush. She'll go for a win, and we pick her up again and take her home. She just won't walk at all. <laughs> That is so, I mean, I don't blame her. I don't want to walk in that weather. That's so cute. You have to carry her like a baby. I know, I know. (laughs) Um, So so let's start off by talking a bit about your new single, Better, which uh, Mm. I understand can be be interpreted as being about relationships. Can you tell us a bit about Mm. that? Um, yeah, so I guess I guess lyrically, um, on the surface, it's a song that can be perceived, you know, like a normal relationship song, I guess. But a lot of what we're trying to do with our new album is talk about wider themes than just sort of one-on-one relationships. Um, the album's called Cherry Blossom, which I think invokes kind of a sense of like rebirth um, and a new chapter, which is really relevant for us in the band. And you know, we we came up with this whole theme and this concept uh, last year. But bizarrely now with uh, COVID, it's like, it's kind of got a new meaning to us in in a way. And I think the song better, you know, that the line is, did things get better or do we get used to it? I think it's like, and also like we can do better than this. I think it's, it's also that notion of maybe people were kind of blindly walking through life before coronavirus. I definitely lived probably more selfishly than than I do now and I think you know there's a real if there's anything to take from from the pandemic admittedly not much but if there is something it's that sense of coming together as a community like you know the fact that people have said whatsapp groups on their streets or people are doing shopping for elderly relatives like I've met so many more neighbors I didn't know I had in the past couple months so I think like we're trying to shout a little bit about that with with this music um and that sense of yeah we can do better than this we're sort of speaking about a time yeah last year maybe where i think a lot of us got very used to just living especially in london where, where i am you get used to living within your parameters and sort of like tunnel vision of like right this is what i want to achieve and i'm going to do that and it's quite an insular uh sort of mindset 
and I think it's kind of been turned on its head a little bit. We want to interact with people now. We want to be outside in nature. We want to help each other. Um, and, you know, like us Brits sort of quite often get get portrayed as people that are, that are uh, I guess, like polite, but not really in a meaningful way. You know, like we're scared to not say please and thank you like 10 times when we're given food in a restaurant or whatever. But now it's almost like we act, we actually want to be, <laughs> So to be that stereotype as opposed to just being, you know, to avoid awkwardness. So I think, yeah, it's been a real switch I, I felt in, in my life and, and the people around me. And, and I, I do think that we, we try and cover some, some of that feeling in the new album. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a re- it's really interesting that you wrote it before all of this started happening as well. Mm. Um, and I think just taking it to within the context of a relationship then, is it, do you think it's about that idea of doing better and thinking outside of your kind of, insular world is it about kind of not getting caught up in the things that don't matter I guess because now we've all been given this wider sense of perspective so Mm. it's like is it about not succumbing to those petty arguments and just actually taking a step back and being like no we are we are above that yeah, I think so. I think there's been a lot of reevaluation in people's lives and there's been like a re realignment of priorities and um and also a real like soul searching, I think, within each of us. I think, you know, I'm the sort of person that revolves heavily around being like supported and almost like propped up by people around me. Um, you know, touring with the band, there's like a crew of, I don't know, 12 guys and we're always there to get, it's like a security network that I have. And I've been like that all my life with friends and relationships in the band and and my family and stuff. And I think, you know, there was a period in coronavirus where we couldn't really have that support around us you know yeah you can be on the phone and facetime and zoom and whatever but i think a lot of people really struggle from from reducing that human to human contact um and and yeah i i think that i think that this this album that that we are doing it's kind of saying that's really really important and almost like the essence of of what it means to be human is to have you know each other around you and to value and cherish that um in a way that perhaps we haven't done before Mm. yeah absolutely it's been such a such a shift um mm. now i know that you were supposed to get married in november weren't you uh to your long-term <laughs> yeah. girlfriend so what i mean obvious reasons why you decided to postpone but i know that some people were thinking fuck it we'll just have you know the smaller ceremony with uh, 30 mm. now 15 <clears throat> people um so what what made you guys decide to postpone it genuinely uh, i know everyone says it but we <laughs> i only want to get married once <laughs> um and uh, we're very lucky in both of our lives that we have a few groups of of people uh you know friends from home and and then people are, that are to do with the band and you know kirsty's done a she did a degree then a master's so she's got like two groups of friends there now she's working full-time so she's got another group and i just think we'd always regret not doing the proper the proper thing also um there's a few people like elderly relatives that are definitely in the vulnerable category and i think even if it was made legal tomorrow for example i think we'd still feel a little bit irresponsible getting 200 people in in a in a room um this side of christmas uh so i think i think i'd i'd hate for I'd hate for us to get married with like an underlying feeling of like tension or, or nervousness. And I think, you know, hopefully we're going to get married next, next Halloween now. Um, which is funny because I'm like the least like fun person like that. I'm not the sort of person that would dress up and do all that, but it's going to be Halloween. Um, and I think hopefully by then, 
coronavirus will be something that we remember, but it's sort of like we're definitely through it. So I don't really want to do something in the thick of it. Um, and I think, look, there's, there's a hell of a lot worse things happening than, than me having to reschedule my wedding. So I think for Kirsty and, and I, we just sort of thought it's not, it's not the be all or end all. We'd rather do it properly when it's safe to do so. Yeah, I completely agree. And also, you, like you said, you know, you only want to get married once. If you're going to do mm-hmm. it, you want to do it properly. And, you know, forgetting about the logistics of everything, just the general mood right now, it's yeah. not really like a celebratory mood, you know? It'll be, it would be kind of hard, I think, to, um, to really embrace and engage in the joy of something like that when mm. everything around you is falling apart. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I think, I think that's a wise idea. Um, now let's get onto the subject of the episode. So you're here to talk to us a bit about body image, which is so great because it's something that we've spoken about on the show before, but only with women. Mm. And I think it's, you know, just even from a wider point of view, body image and body confidence is often seen as a women's conversation. Mm. Um, and it's very rare that we actually hear men talk about it. And I think that, you know, exacerbates the problem for men who experience body dysmorphia like you did. So can mm. you explain, I guess, start us off by um, telling us when you first realized that this was something that you were struggling with? It's a hard one for me to pinpoint because like, it's something that definitely still affects me now. And like looking back sort of 10, 15 years, it's really hard to, I mean, that's the thing with, with mental health, isn't it? I think it's not for me personally, it wasn't obvious steps. It wasn't like right on that day that happened. And then two weeks later that happened. It's like, it sort of chips away at me. And I think, and it's, it's scary because before you know it, you're so deep in something that it's not, it's not easy to like climb out of. So I think the, the first time that I, um, well, background for listeners i i grew up as a slightly overweight child not not like massively but definitely not skinny like a lot of my friends slightly overweight um but i was at that like blissful age of like i don't know 10 where i didn't look at my body in that way back then you know before social media and stuff it was just i was very happy just being like that and then i went from that to then being i I grew upwards and sort of went inwards at the same time um and and I think I I started uh, sort of secondary school, and the the guys I guess around me that that were popular that that seemed to be like aspirational were the rugby and football playing types. And I was really into football, but I was more into kind of singing songs about girls and and growing my hair and piercing my nose and having flesh holes and stuff. And I sort of like I didn't really fit into a category, so I so I felt slightly isolated anyway. Um, and then I, and I, I sort of said to myself, it, it was the era of uh, Hollister Abercrombie sort of like swept my, my sort of uh, my county massively and Jack Wills and all that. And all the marketing was men looking in a certain way. And all the boys at my school that were popular would wear those clothes. So I was like, right, I'm going to go buy those clothes. I went into the, the stores and, you know, the, it, was, it was the time when all, all of the billboards and stuff were like really ripped men on like a Malibu beach surfing. And I thought, right, I have to be that person then in order to uh, not only be popular, but to perhaps find my place in life to, to be accepted, to, to become a man, I guess. Um, so I, I went quite quickly into ordering all of the, the proteins, the supplements um, and going to the gym and stuff. And I think it's really it's really difficult because my source of of information and and sort of like future plans with fitness was stuff that I saw online. So I would Google like 
I don't know, like military diet. Cause there was this thing or like it was the time when like 300, the film came out and there was like a Spartan diet and all that, all that shit. Um, so I, my sources were for me, I thought they were extremely credible sources. You know, they may well be for, for performance athletes, but for a 16 year old kid in Dorset reading these extreme diets saying, this is what you should do. It was quite a shift. And, and I think it was noticeable to, to my parents, but I, but I sort of, uh, persuaded myself that that was healthy. And I think that's the real problem. You know, we, we have, we have the terms around, you know, like diets as being like healthy or the best version of yourself and, and all that stuff. So I thought, yeah, that what I was doing was, was really, really good for me. Um, so I guess, yeah, 16, 17, I realized that not only did I have to have the supplements on one hand, do the exercise, it also meant I had to cut everything else out because on, according to, to Google and, and Twitter and whatever, like carbs were the enemy. So I was like, okay, fine. Like I'm just not going to have carbs anymore. Um, so I went from being very normal, uh, in inverted commas, weight and size to having, I think I had 7% body fat, uh, just sort of at the start of the band. And if you think like, you know, people that do the, the bodybuilding shows, like the, all that stuff, they've got like 5% body fat or around that. So, so from that aspect, I was pretty, I thought in my head before I got to that point, I thought that would be, uh, that would be my final destination. But the problem is with, with the fitness industry, it's almost like bankers with money. You think you get to a certain point and you're like, oh shit, actually I, I want to do more. So even though I had like, I couldn't lose any more fat off my stomach at all. I was looking, I was like, oh, well, my, my arms are, they could be bigger or my legs or what. And you just sort of like, I realized that every time I looked in a mirror, I was critiquing myself in various different ways. And it was almost like, yeah, one error would be okay. But then, oh, what about that? And it, it's just like this regressive cycle where the first thing you think about in the morning was, what am I going to eat today? Can I get to a gym? I'm not happy about myself. And immediately having negative thoughts first thing in the morning as like a 17 year old guy it just becomes a horrible thing where you constantly feel tense and a, a pressure and, and it, it can be seen as like, I think it's easy for people to write it off as vanity, but it's not that in many ways it's, it's like self-destructive, um, how you feel, because I guess at the crux of it, you want to be liked and accepted and happy with yourself, but what you're doing to your body is torturous in, in many ways, you know, starving myself, not eating bread for a year, um, having like two whole chicken a day. Like it's just bizarre things to do at that age. And, and the amount of dairy and artificial protein that I was putting into my body that I thought was, was healthy. It's really funny. Like the irony, I would, I'd go to a hotel when we were like touring and I'd be like, I need to have porridge oats with water so I could put the protein in that I brought from home. But, but if it would turn up like the porridge had been made with milk, I was like, oh, no, I can't have that. No, it's too fattening. But then the irony that I was then putting in whey protein powder in, that is made from milk. And it's just stupid little things in, in, in my mind that I didn't realize were a problem. Yeah. So I think, yeah, age 16, 17 is when I first started realizing that I, I mean, in my mind, I was yeah. adopting a healthy lifestyle. But yeah, looking back, that's when it shifted for me, I think. Obviously, when you're 16, 17, that is prime, like, 
Mm. Uh, I want to be dating. I want to be showing off to girls and, you know, whatever. How much of you wanting to change the way you looked, you think, was linked to wanting to feel desirable, I suppose? I think at, at school it was very apparent because I wanted to, yeah, look like other people. Um, but I think it changed for me. When, when the vamp started, it was there was another shift because all of a sudden it wasn't like I wanted to be accepted by a couple of people in my school. It was like, I was then like sort of quite instantly recognizable and, and, and I guess like famous to an extent within the first year of the vamps. So I knew that people liked me, but I think it changed in my head as being like something that I could control. And I think I'd gone from living a relatively like chill, easy, normal life in Dorset to then be like on the road, busy from city to city. So my, the thing that I clung onto was like, right, I'm going to control everything that I put in my body and the fitness that I do, because that's the only thing that I can control. And I think it's all, it's all connected in a way. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it, it wasn't even when at my lowest point, it wasn't the fact to be accepted. I think it just became a weird thing where, yeah, I wanted to, to cling on to a sense of, uh, understanding and, and controlling my life. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue You can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Would you say, looking back, would you recognize what you were going through as having an eating disorder or a disordered relationship with your body or what would you, would you give it a term or not really? I think, I, I mean, a lot of like, uh, a lot of press has said, you know, like, uh, anorexia and stuff. And I'm not, I'm not sure, but I know it's unhealthy because, you know, when I was at my skinniest point, when I was, how old was I? I guess, yeah, like 19, uh, you know, so I started when I was, yeah, 15, 16, but by the time I was 19, I've been touring for, for a couple of years with the vamps. I was at that really, really low body, body weight thing. And, and I, I ended up having surgery actually because I wasn't happy with, so I had like really, really skinny abs, defined arms, but like, like my chest, I had just like tissue and it wasn't fat at all. It was, it's just like breast tissue. And no matter how much I starved myself or, or went to the gym or whatever, lifted weights, it would never like go. So I ended up, yeah, like having having tissue removed. And I, you know, I was like 20 year old guy on tour in Australia. Um, and I was, I had to wear this, this like vest thing for like a month. Um, so like, I, so like my insides didn't seep out of the, these stitches that I'd had. And I was just like, 
this is fucked up. Like I'm meant to be, you know, I'm in, I'm in one of the biggest bands in the world at that point. We're touring. Um, you know, I, I'd not, I, I met Kirsty by that point. So I was really, really happy. And I was just like, this is like, this is weird. And like, I've never really spoken about that. No one knows about the whole surgery thing, but like, I think it's important now sort of eight years on to think like, cause I was watching videos of the vamps the other day, like, cause we can't tour at the moment. Obviously I was on YouTube looking at like old touring videos that remember what it was like. And, um, there's like videos of me like speaking to camera, like acting like I'm like the happiest person there. And then I see I'm wearing this, this like vest. And I was, I just like, it's just such a bizarre time to look back on. It's almost like it never happened. Um, uh, and I think, yeah, it's only really been the past couple of years that I've realized like that was a really, really strange place for me. Um, and yeah, it still affects me a lot now, but I think luckily, I think being able to do things like this, communicate, uh, communicate how I felt about that certain thing and, and acknowledging that, uh, it was a dangerous place to be, but like, um, understanding the, the route that it took me to get to that point, hopefully will help other people recognize when their tendencies turn into quite dangerous habits. Yeah. I mean, I really admire you so much for talking about it. Thank you. I think it really will help a lot of people. And, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's so important to communicate these things, particularly now when we live in this age of social media where everything is kind of curated and it's all like a highlights reel. And it's rare that we see people actually saying, no, you know what, in that photo or in that video where I look really happy and I look like I'm living the best life, I'm in one of the most famous bands, actually I was going through inner turmoil. And it just goes mm. to show that, you know, it's so easy to project this kind of image of perfection um, when that is obviously so rarely the case. I want to mm. ask you a bit about social media. Um, mm. How do you think your relationship with Instagram and you know, obviously you have a lot of followers on that platform. How does that impact your relationship with your body? Uh, I think when I was a bit, well, actually, no, it's still relevant now because I think the dangerous thing of social media is whether, I mean, there's been some brilliant people that have come out to try and address this and, and reduce it. But the vast, uh, majority of accounts that I see on my explore page are the best versions of people that they're posting you know there's not many people that will actively go out and post a, a shit picture and yes there's been these like trends of like what i actually look like and that's good but like from a guy's perspective there's not many men doing that like if i go down my my explore page it's just people in the gym looking massive or or um people driving motorcycles and vests and they're like fucking massive and it's like that that's the scary thing because if that's all if that's all people are seeing on social media, that's what they'll believe to be the, the norm. Um, and especially when still a lot of those pictures are, are edited and modified. It's, it's, um, it's unsurprising that, you know, a 16 year old me thought that those models in Hollister look like that all year round. And that's not them starving themselves. That is just what they look like. Um, so I think the role, the role social media has in, in people developing, uh, I guess like disorders with food is, is really, really, um, prevalent. Um, but I, but I think it, it is about trying to acknowledge that those pictures aren't the real, they're not the norm. And I, I do wonder whether some of these companies should be saying that, you know, or, or, or organizations and social media companies should maybe be letting people know that this isn't 
how people look all the time. I know there was something in the press a few weeks ago about saying when pictures have to be like, uh, sorry, accounts have to say when they've like doctored images. I don't know whether that's the answer, but like, I think we have to just, especially from a man's perspective, we have to acknowledge that the people that we do see online, that is not how they look all year round. And it's not, it's not achievable. You literally kill yourself to look like that. If you, you know, if you, if you do that all year round. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's terrifying really. Um, the lengths that people go to in order to Mm. sustain that it's just completely unsustainable. Um, Mm. talk to me a bit about your relationship with Kirsty then at what point, um, through your journey with all this, did she come into your life? And, and at what point did, you know, did, did you have a conversation with her about it or was it something that she kind of picked up on? So Kirsty and I met, uh, just before the Vamps first ever headline tour, which has been brilliant actually for me because I've kind of had that anchor throughout the whole of, whole of the Vamps, which, you know, we weren't very public in the early years for various different reasons, but behind the scenes, she's been like a rock. Um, and I think, I think it was quite obvious to her like pretty soon on that, that I had like a bit of an issue with, with food. And it was the sort of thing where I would dictate absolutely everywhere that we'd eat or I wouldn't eat something or, you know, it would be like Christmas and I'd, I'd still have chicken and vegetables with, with nothing else. Um, and I think it just kind of got to a point where, where Kirsty was like, look, we need to, we need to try and break this and, and address it. And there's always that early period when, you know, you've only been together a few months and it's, you know, you don't really feel comfortable enough to like, Hey, try and try and change a, a massive part of someone's life. But I think just having her there to, to offer, you know, she, she kind of, uh, took time to, to listen and, and, and acknowledge how I was feeling. And, and instead of being dismissive and saying like, that's stupid, I think she tried to help understand it. And it's a gradual, gradual process. And, it, and even, even still now, you know, eight years on from, from where, well, probably 10 years on from when my issue started, I still do have daily, daily battles with it, but it's just nice having someone there that I know that I can trust and rely on to, to let me know when I'm slipping into negative tendencies. Um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think it's been a bizarre sort of period of, of my life the past 10 years, like massive highs, massive lows and having that sense of like consistency in a relationship sort of really, really helped me in my darkest times for sure. And so when you are experiencing mm. those kind of lows, uh, again, as you said, you know, today, what, what, what do you do? So obviously I'm guessing you, you have a conversation with Kirsty and you know, what, what are your other kind of, um, sources of comfort and who do you look to for support? I think in, in the, in the early days, it, I, I know, I know that there's been a positive change because in the early days, lows would go on for, for months. Um, and, and that was really, really hard to come out of. And I think now, you know, it's like, it's like, especially with, with coronavirus, not really knowing what, what's going on in, you know, I think the music industry may, may be potentially the biggest hit industry, music and uh, music and theater. And it's like not knowing what's going to happen over the next 12 months of our life. Really, really, I mean, it affects everyone, <laughs> but for people like me that are very, very up and down and, and get anxious and overthink things, you know, like I can, like yesterday I had just like a really shit day, but I think now what I'm able to do is say to Kirsty, oh, I feel a bit rubbish today and that's fine. And it's about knowing that you are going to have those days. But for me, I'm able to look at it almost from a third person perspective and say like, 
you're feeling really rubbish today, but you know, tomorrow is, is a new day. And I think being able to vocalize that even to yourself, speaking out loud to yourself or, or with someone like Kirsty or whatever, or even speaking to the dog, which sounds like I'm loony, but like just physically speaking almost helps you acknowledge how you're feeling. And, and it, it's all, it's like a therapy to me communicating how I feel, because I think as, as soon as you say something, I do a lot of work with, um, with an anti-bullying charity and I, I was bullied sort of growing up. And for me, as soon as I shared that I was being bullied with someone, it was like a weight it was like, it's like a five kilogram weight was lifted off one of my shoulders. And it's like, yes, you still have another five one there, but at least it's sort of like you're sharing the burden a bit. Um, so that's why now I'm able to deal with these low spells a hell of a lot better than I used to. I think like when you ask about who do I look to or whatever, it's really, really important that it's been amazing the past few years that there's been a lot of men that have come out and spoken about things. Um, mental health, I think mental health and, and you know, and this, this thing with like negative food, they are so hand in hand because that's what it is. And I think people that speak about that's really, really, really handy. But also like when we were saying before about maybe how societies become more willing to help each other, I feel that like that's relevant with this as well. I think there's there's more ears open to, to these conversations now than in the past. You know, if I'd said this sort of stuff 30 years ago, I don't think I don't think we'd be having this conversation now because... I think what we're chipping away at is that male stereotype and that, that gender construct of, of, of a man having to be strong and bulletproof and, and emotionless. Um, I think all these things help further this conversation and, uh, and stem uh, really dark thoughts for, for men and women. Totally. It's this, it's like you said, it's this really like traditional idea of masculinity is like the alpha male being like this bastion of physical strength. And, mm. you know, like you said, it's interesting. You mentioned the Abercrombie models, like we're the same age. I grew up with that as well. And <laughs> you know, what that does is it conditions men to want to look like that, but it also conditions straight women to want to be attracted to that. And mm. then that, 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 you know, that creates all sorts of other issues as well, because it's like, mm. that's not realistic. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so interesting to, to listeners who might be, you know, male or female, who might be experiencing some of the same feelings you went through with body dysmorphia and, you know, becoming a bit obsessive about their appearance. What, what advice would you give to them? You know, I mean, I guess, I guess a first port of call maybe would be uh, delete Instagram off your phone for a while. <laughs> doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. I, um, after I did, I went, um, I did, I'm a celeb. When I came out of that, I was like the happiest I've, I've, well, I thought I was the happiest I've been in a while and, and social media didn't mean anything to me. And I've tried since then to only have Instagram and Twitter installed on my phone when I'm going to post something. So I download it, which is crazy because, you know, I probably download it five times a day and then delete it again. But ideally, <laughs> Ideally, I wouldn't look at it first thing in the morning. I go on the news app instead of, uh, instead of Instagram. I try and wake up, go downstairs. And then if I'm going to post something, I'll install it, post it, see my, like direct messages, and then I'll delete it again. And try. I, I think that's the thing. You have to try and have a separation. I always think that like social media should enhance your life as opposed to life enhancing social media, if you see what I mean. So it's like I almost had to swap things around. Um, instead of yeah instead of my life being planned around right what can i do to put that on instagram like it's you know you shouldn't have to have that it's like waking up first thing thinking about food like 
I think I was definitely getting to a point where I was waking up thinking about Instagram. It's like, what, what am I doing? Uh, so I'd say, yeah, try and try and detach yourself from social media as much as possible. Um, but also seek credible, going back to food and fitness, seek, seek credible advice because I presume that a lot of the accounts that people follow on, on Instagram aren't, aren't reputable sources. And I think it is just, it's, it's education, isn't it? Education and communication. That's how we'll, we'll tackle some of these, um, these issues. And uh, now it's time for our lessons in love segment. So this is the part of the show where I ask every guest to share something that they have learned uh, about themselves from their previous relationship experiences. So James, what is your lesson in love for us today? I think my lesson in love uh, is to truly embrace the person that you are. So instead of uh, trying to shroud who you are in like whether it's on like what the image that you portray on instagram or wearing things that you don't feel comfortable in or doing whatever for me definitely like the key to kirsty and i's success as a couple i guess would be that she gets the true version of me as opposed to uh the guitarist in the vamps from 10 years ago <laughs> yeah i guess you're, you're coming at it from a from a slightly different experience for most people because you have this kind of public persona of who you are and, and I suppose what your relationship is like as well. But, mm. you know, obviously no one knows what goes on within a relationship apart from mm. the two people in that relationship. And I guess that probably seems much more relevant for you than most people. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's, a, there's also an element of like being proud of who you are. I think a lot of people get scared to be, to be seen as being like self-obsessed or like, or arrogant. But like, I think you have to say, right, this is what I've achieved in my life and this is what makes me who I am. So I'm going to embrace that. And, and with me and, and the vamps and Kirsty, that they're, they're all hand in hand. Like I try my best to, to be, uh, you know, the same on stage as I'm off stage. And, and that, and that's relevant the other way around where like Kirsty is just as much part of my life when I'm in the vamps as when I'm not. And it's like, I try and include everything. I'm not like, yeah, James one day on TV, then, then James the next day in his bedroom. It's like, I try to put, get that synergy and that, that's really helped Kirsty and I, cause you know, it's just, it's just honest. She knows everything that, that, um, that's going on. And, and I think that's the key It's you know, truthfulness and honesty as well. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you were affected by any of the issues we spoke about today, I'd like to direct you to Beat, the UK's leading eating disorder charity. To contact BEAT, you can call the charity's helpline on 0808 801 0677 or visit its website, beateatingdisorders.org.uk. For more information or support on body dysmorphia, you can also visit the Body Dysmorphic Disorder Foundation's website at bddfoundation.org. If you're a new listener to Millennial Love, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or anywhere else. You can comment and leave us a rating too so that more people can find us. And keep up to date with everything to do with the show on Instagram. Just search Millennial Love. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.